Sorry, Rich, I just started the, the tape. Okay, so open your Bibles to Revelation 1. So, as is uh, often the case in good literature, we have an introduction to this book. I believe the first phrase is, can suitably serve as the title of the book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a revelation that God gave him. And I'm going to talk at length about that another day. Uh, there is so much to say. But now move down to to verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you. He gives them a greeting. Peace from him who is and who was, who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So we're we're getting a Trinitarian uh, blessing that's being pronounced upon the readers of the book, right? God, the Holy Spirit. Now notice what he says about the Lord Jesus. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on the earth, to him who loves, present tense, us. So Christians in Ephesus and Thyatira and Sperna and Pergamum and, uh, and uh, Laodicea and the other churches should know Jesus right now, loves us. This is present tense. This is glorious. This is wonderful. Um, Jesus ha has not abandoned us. He's away, but he continues to love us. And he demonstrated that when he freed us from our sins by his blood. And he made us a kingdom, priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I read those verses, and I, I'm, I'm selecting verses from the book to give us this overview. Because notice, God the Father is given half a verse in terms of a description. God the Holy Spirit is given half a verse in terms of, of a description. The Lord Jesus is given two and a half verses. What is this book about? It's about Jesus. And God is going to reveal his son to his son's followers. Uh, that's, that's really good stuff. That, this is why we do Bible exposition, because it helps us understand where the author's going with uh, his material. Now, uh, there are more introdu introductory things that are done in this first chapter. We get to verse 9, and John talks about himself and his current situation. And we will find out that he's at the Isle of, of Patmos. He's been exiled because of apparently his ministry in behalf of Christ. And the Roman officials didn't appreciate uh, the teaching of a Messiah and uh, someone to whom all people are responsible outside of Rome. So he was exiled. And we get then to the first revelation 
of Christ, the first vision of Christ. Yes? Uh, you mentioned uh, the mention of the Holy Spirit in, uh -huh. in the version Chuck's using. I don't see the, the term. The internet, New International, I don't. Where do you see oh, in the first? Okay, right at the end of verse 4. Over, okay. From the seven spirits. There you go. Now, I, I wasn't that far along. Okay. Um, and John is told to write what, what he sees. Okay, so what does he see? Well, he sees a vision of Christ that resembles something of the vision of God the Father in the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to spend some time on this, believe me. We're going to spend quite a bit of time on this, but not today. What I want to do is, is go to verse 17. And... Focusing on what Jesus says. Fear not. Jesus is talking to John because John falls at Jesus' feet as though dead. He laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. Oh, wow. St stop and appreciate that for a moment. I am the first and the last, last and the living one. And he says, I was dead. I died. Behold, I am alive forevermore. What do um, martyrs in the church age and martyrs in the tribulation need to hear? That Jesus was dead, but he's alive, right? Um, you can put your trust in Christ and you know everything's going to turn out right. It, it'll, it'll be uh, bad stuff in the middle, maybe, and we'll all face the end of life whether it's natural or in persecution or in some other way, accidental. But Jesus is alive. He had died, but he's alive forevermore. Uh, this book is intended to help Christians get through the tough times. And I have the keys of death in Hades. Everybody's accountable to me. It reminds us of the uh, disciples' response to Christ's uh, question, are you leaving me also? And they said, to whom should we go? You have the words of life. Everybody's accountable to Christ, and uh, there's no other person on, uh, uh, on whom we can depend with not only our current life, but our future life. Okay, then in chapters 2 and 3, we have those seven letters to the seven churches. And they have various messages depending on their state. Um, and some of them have positive uh, reports, some of them negative reports, some are mixed. We get to chapter 4, and there's a heavenly scene. Now, notice... On the second sheet of the handout uh, with the legend, I've, I've given you uh, abbreviations of, of two letters side by side, HS, EV, and EJ, right in the middle of page two. And when we get, when we're going through the outline of the book, uh, you will see, like at the bottom of this page, 3A and then 1B under 3A, right at the very bottom, there's an HS. And this is chapter 4, 
This is a heavenly scene. So God is giving a revelation of Jesus Christ through an angel to John the Apostle. And part of the revelations will include heavenly scenes. That's what we get to in chapter 4. We will also, through the course of this book, encounter explanatory visions, such as chapter 13, with the beast that comes out of the sea, and then the beast that comes out of the land, or chapter 12, with the, uh, the Jewess, who gives birth to the male child and the dragon is ready to consume the child. These, those are explanatory visions that help us understand you know, what, what this whole book is all about. Okay? Uh, we will also come to enactments of judgment. So there are series of judgments that work through the book. The seal judgments, um, the <coughs> trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments. So don't you know, don't don't get lost uh, in the forest because we encounter various kinds of trees here. There are there are various components that are brought together to give us uh, this revelation of Jesus Christ. Some are heavenly scenes, some are enactments of judgments, and some are explanatory visions. And there's some narrative as well. And uh, wonderfully, we have John's response. Uh, recorded several times, his responses recorded several times in the book. So we um, can identify with with uh, what John uh, receives and how he responds to it. Okay. So this is a heavenly scene. And the scene is all about Christ, or excuse me, about God the Father. In chapter 4, um, John is told in in verse 1 at the end of chapter 4, uh, the end of verse 1 of chapter 4, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And what is what does he see? L- let me read uh, 4.8. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And the day and night, uh, they never cease to say, and you say, well, wait a minute. They're full of eyes all around. We'll talk about that. Okay, not today. We'll talk about that another time. So that's a straight line. Okay, that's that's a detail. But today we're we're looking at the parabolic curve. We're looking at at what comes of the message, of how the message is formed with all of these details. Okay, so so don't don't get hung up there. Okay, let's let's move through the message. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. What prophet also saw this or heard this? Isaiah Isaiah did in Isaiah 6. Look at verse 11. (coughs) Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled there for his testimony to Jesus. He's being given a revelation of Jesus Christ. And in this revelation of his Savior, he receives a heavenly vision. 
in the heavenly vision, this heavenly scene, he sees the holy God Almighty, the creator of everything. What's the implication? All creatures are responsible to give worship and allegiance to their creator. He's holy. He's good. He's righteous. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's deserving of the worship and the allegiance and the obedience of everyone. That's our heavenly scene. At least that's the first part of it. Then we get to chapter 5. In chapter 5, the question is raised. There's this book of judgment that's sealed. And the question is raised, well, who's able to open the sealed book of judgment? Look at verse 6. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, you say, wow, who are all these people or these creatures? What are they? Well, we'll have some answers, but uh, we're not talking about those detailed uh, parts right now. But among all of them, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So we've got God the Son as a lamb, approaching God the Father, taking the sealed scroll of judgment. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers are being heard. And God will respond to your prayers and to the prayers of his persecuted people. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. So we're looking, we're, we're in a heavenly scene here. And what, what is John supposed to get from all of this? Well, God hasn't abandoned his throne. He's obviously the creator of all. And everyone's accountable to him. And now there's a book of judgment, a scroll of judgment, and a lamb steps forward, slain, who died for all the people that are going to be judged. And now the, the throngs of heaven are proclaiming his worthiness to dispense judgment. Whoa! This, that, that's the end of man. And, uh, this is not a Sunday school picnic. This is serious, serious stuff. Okay. Uh, let's look at some of those lessons. So, number one, learning points on the first page. True to the book's subject matter, the introductory material regarding Christ is more detailed than that regarding God the Father. Look at the last line on, on point number one. Are we ready to meet Jesus Christ in his fullness? revelation to John is the revelation of Jesus Christ to his followers. And we will meet Jesus in his fullness in the revelation to John. 
You say, well, we've got the Gospels, and we have the the letters of Paul and Peter and John and James, and the treatise to, to the Hebrews and, and all of those. Yes, we do. But we don't have the last word. The last word is the revelation to John. And it's a complete word. And it's a word that many, many, um, uh, quote, brothers and sisters, end of quote, so-called brothers and sisters, in Christendom don't appreciate. They want Jesus to be a nice guy. They don't want to be accountable to him. And we are. And when we see him in his fullness, what will we do? We will fall on our faces like John falls on his face. And he'll need to touch us and give us life and stand us on our feet. Okay, look at the second point. Um, <clears throat> I, should have, I should have gone with these. I, I intended to go uh, to the learning points as we were reading the passages, but let me catch up here. The destiny of every person in the church or outside, either to life or to death, is in the hands of the Lord Jesus. The truths of Scripture are not to be dismissed or ignored by anybody at their peril. God the Father, point three, is presented in his exacting holiness, declared omnipotence, he's God Almighty, and expansive eternality, who was, who is, and who is to come. He is worthy of praise and allegiance from all creatures. Number four, Jesus, the slain lamb, who purchased for God a remnant people from every people group is worthy to administer judgment on the majority of men. So after that heavenly scene in chapters 4 and 5, we come to the, dis, uh, the dispensing of judgment, and it begins in chapter 6. And 6, 7, and I think the first verse of chapter 8 give us the sealed judgments. After that, the trumpet judgments. Uh, let's get to chapter 11, and we'll read verses 14 through 19 there. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. And the second woe refers to everything uh, of the second series of judgments, I believe the trumpet judgments. He's ready for the seventh trumpet. Now notice what happens in verse 15, Revelation 11:15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, oh, this is so good. Um, this is what we're waiting for. This is, this is the destiny of our world. Finally, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Come, do it now. Um, why wait? You know, uh, uh, we need it. We need, we need the Lord Jesus so much right now. Our world needs him right now. 
And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God <laughs> fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. When God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple, there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Okay, this is the last trumpet. Would you say this is before the bones? Yes. Yes. I, I see the series to be... Uh, in, in series, one after another, to be progressive, not not cyclical. When he's talking about judgment here now, he's introducing judgment. Mm -hmm. to, to who's he talking to? What's his audience? Well, his audience would be to Christians, but the larger audience would be the world. <coughs> and so we'll see in the book where God actually sends an angel to proclaim the eternal gospel to the earth dwellers. Fear God and uh, you know, repent, but they don't. So it, it's a message, I think, initially and predominantly to, the, to the, the Christians, to the church, but the message is good for everyone. Okay. Well, I, yes. I, Go ahead, Dick. I was just under. I was thinking that I've heard so many times that the church is not mentioned in the Book of Revelation after chapter three. Right. Thank you. Yeah, and I don't want to confuse that. But there will be Christians. There will be people who hold to the testimony of Jesus, as the book calls them, as well as to the <laughs> commandments of God. There will be legitimate Christians in the tribulation period. They won't be part of the church age, but they will be uh, followers of Christ within the tribulation period. And these are the ones we'll see under the throne. And these are the ones who will reign with Christ for 1,000 years. Yes. Okay, the, the rapture has taken place. Yes. The rapture has taken place. All right, so the audience is, is Christians who what? Failed to believe? No, no. Um, so it, the, the audience would be all of the earth dwellers, and out of those earth dwellers will be people who follow Christ. And But didn't at the, at the rapture. Right. The, the, the church goes with Christ back to heaven. All believers. All believers. All, all believers in Christ go with him to heaven. Uh, and are there with him during the tribulation while he dispenses judgment on earth. But there will be people, and especially 144,000 Jews, that will be, will be raised up as witnesses. And through their witness, I believe Gentiles will also come to faith in Christ, and there will be a new, if you will, tribulation church that's, that forms. Although it won't, it won't look like us necessarily, but they will be people who hold to the testimony of Jesus and obey the commands of God. Yes, Glenn? Many of whom are quickly martyred. 
Yes, yes, many and most. Yes, many and most of them will be martyred. And it's their souls that are under the altar. That it yes, so in chapter 6, you know, one of those sealed judgments, we have a, uh, a, a caption where the, the martyred saints are saying, well, uh, they're praying. They're saying, Lord, how long until you vindicate us? We'll, we'll talk about that. Those are people who are saved after the rapture. After the rapture, yeah. in the tribulation period, right. then martyred, and then they're asking God for vindication. Yes. But those are details. Those are straight lines. Let's, let's look at the panorama. Let's look at the marvelous curve. Let, you know, look at the whole circle here. Um, and our time is gone. Okay, so let's 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 stop right here. Um, okay, we'll pick this up with chapter 12 next week. Um, I hope the I hope the handout is useful to you. Bring it back so that it, if if it helps you to follow as I teach uh, through the the balance of the book, we will complete that next week and then um, go further in our. Uh, slide presentation. Okay, I've asked Ken to close us in prayer today. Ken, would you do that? Father, we can say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord today. We've enjoyed our time of worship with you earlier this morning. The remembrance of our death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, the one who lives today forevermore and the opportunity and privilege of the opening of Scripture, the study of your word, and the fellowship of the body of believers here today. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your blessings you have bestowed upon us. We pray for the continued guidance and direction of your spirit in our life in the days to come. In Jesus' name.